Welcome to Digital Squared, a podcast that explores the implications of living in an increasingly digital world. We're on a mission to inspire our listeners to use technology and data for good. Your host, Tom Andriola, is the Vice Chancellor for Information Technology and Data and Chief Digital Officer at the University of California at Irvine. Join us as Tom and fellow leaders discuss the technological, cultural, and societal trends that are shaping our world. Dr. Michael Pfeffer serves as the Chief Information Officer and Associate Dean for Stanford Healthcare and Stanford University School of Medicine. He is also a clinical professor in the Department of Medicine and Division of Hospital Medicine with a joint appointment in the Center for Biomedical Research in Stanford's University of School of Medicine. I refer to Michael as a unique breed of CIO, where he is bringing his expertise as a doctor into the technology sector to offer unique IT solutions for the medical community. Together, we discuss the changes that are currently being driven by an increasingly digital era in healthcare, especially post-pandemic, where patient care looks much different than before. We also talk about the possibilities of what technology can offer to healthcare providers as tools to allow them to offer more personalized, people-centered care. Welcome, Dr. Pfeffer. Thank you, Tom. It's good to see you. Absolutely. Wonderful. And thanks so much for being with us today. So I'm going to jump right into the first question, Mike. So you are part of what I like to refer to as the new breed of CIO, one that's been clinically trained. Can you tell our audience how your career journey took you to where you are and the advantages that you see being clinically trained as the chief information officer? Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's, It's a great question because it wasn't what I envisioned when I was doing medical school. I actually really wanted to be a program director for a residency program, internal medicine. So obviously that's what I was thinking about. And, you know, I love teaching and I love, you know, seeing medical students and residents really grow throughout the training process. But I also kind of fell in love with informatics and it really happened because I wanted to make things better for the way workflows were happening in the hospital. And my, I study chemical engineering, so I love to make things like work better and engineer them. So, you know, it's more efficient and more streamlined. And I saw an opportunity when I was at UCLA and the decision was made to move from the current state, which was mostly paper and some uh, best of breed systems to a uh, enterprise wide electronic uh, health record and decided, ah, this is a great opportunity to kind of see how I can help. And I joke because there were, they posted three um, part-time physician informaticist positions. I applied, two other people applied. So my chances were pretty good that I was going to get one of those slots and began my journey in informatics and uh, haven't looked back. It's been uh, really life-changing. I've learned so much through the process and have met incredible people from every, you know, aspect of healthcare that are truly passionate about what healthcare means to the world. So you and I met, you know, after, uh, you know, when you stepped into the CIO job at UCLA, uh, you, you had already been done with the primary implementation uh, of Epic there. 
And when I met you, one of the big things that you talked about from day one was uh, you've always been a huge champion of the EMR concept, but you talked a lot very passionately about physician burnout. Where do you see that going, right? Because physicians now may be more burned out than ever, given what they've been through in the last two and a half years. But physician burnout and what you're trying to do at Stanford, and where do you, what do you see for yeah. the future? I mean, it's a it's a really great point. I I do really believe in the power of electronic health records and what it brings to the table, but all of it isn't good. And the other piece about how this relates to physician burnout is it's one piece of the pie, but for every single physician or clinician, nurse, I mean, this, this is for all of healthcare, really, uh, it's really personal. It's really unique to that person in terms of what what are the factors that are kind of really contributing to it. So the best we can do is try to eliminate as much burden with technology solutions across the board. So I really like to think about usability and simplicity. How do we make things easier? How do we make things more usable? How do we reduce um, everything from alert fatigue to the number of clicks you need to do? But really bigger than that, we're gonna have to tackle things like, how do you disconnect? How do you cover people's inbox, for example, so they can have a, a rest? How do we engage with, uh, I think, what has become a new way of kind of working with patients, uh, which I think is phenomenal, but we've seen engagement digitally uh, go through the roof. I mean, starting with video visits, but you know, the patient portal usages are have significantly increased, which means more messages, which means a new way of really taking care of patients. And so how do we figure out how to make this work better for our clinicians and give them more space to do the things they love and then really help figure out what are the things that are contributing most to burnout. But that's very individual. I don't, I really don't think there's a one size fits all, but I do really want to emphasize the, the disconnecting piece. I, I think that's really, really critical. And it's not just disconnecting from the EHR, but email and picking up your phone and you know, all of those things, it's just, it's it's really a problem. Yeah, no, it, I was sitting a few months ago with a head of a, a primary physician group, and they were talking about a 500% increase in email plus texting that is, you know, let's say, just overloading uh, the primary care physicians, right? As, as patients have gotten more comfortable interacting through an electronic means, there's this over, just this overload of communication. And, and to your point, right? It's everything from all that extra work to outside of, of normal hours of, the, of their shift to, Hey, is that a protected, you know, exchange of information and what liability gets created? Right. So it's, so it, it, it is a huge, huge paradigm shift in so many ways that technology will be part of it. But culturally, I'm sure is, is that something that you're, Talking about with the docs, or does it come up in the physician practice? You know, when when you talk about with docs, yeah, all the time. And you know, we 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 put together an in basket kind of war room uh, that's been meeting for a little less than a year now to see what can we do technically across the board to try to make things better uh, for clinicians on the on the uh, messaging front. But you know, part of it also has to do with uh, access is is a challenge. I think across many. Uh, health systems. And so if you can't get to see your physician, what else you do? You you message them. And so that is also playing into this. And I think that's only going to increase, especially as we head into the winter months, as we're seeing 
hopefully not too much of a surge, but definitely flu and RSV. But, you know, so I think we have to figure out, okay, if this is the new way of how we're going to work and, and how do we build that into the, to the way we think. And part of it is putting ourselves in the shoes of the patient and the shoes of the provider. I mean, it both have to be kind of, you know, satisfied or enjoy the digital patient and digital employee experiences in order to make it work. You can't, you can't have an imbalance. Otherwise I think it contributes to burnout and dissatisfaction. Okay. Okay. So it's been a little more than a year for you at Stanford and you know that I'm a huge uh, kind of studier and observer of leadership. So tell me, how did you spend your time in your first year and what aspects of your leadership were challenged or opportunities for growth did you find as you were, uh, you know, jumping into a new organization, both of which are amazing, by the way, right? Uh, but, you know, new organization, uh, I'm sure a different culture. So what, what kind of leadership challenges and how'd you spend your time? Both amazing places. You're right. I mean, I've, I've, I'm very fortunate to have uh, the UCLA opportunity and this opportunity at Stanford uh, Healthcare. One of the most interesting things is transitioning during a pandemic uh, and how how that changes interaction. I mean, you know better than anybody, the role of the CIO is a people role. It's a relationship role. It's a bringing teams together to do highly complex things with little room for error. And so that's all about relationships and trust and collaboration. And it's harder to do over Zoom. And so I've had to learn how to do that, how to connect over Zoom, how to encourage in-person meetings where they where they need to be, and really work very, very hard on that and, and building the team. So my my leadership team were phenomenal. You know, we we met every day, every week in person, pretty much, you know, for two hours and then one-on-ones to really try to build relationships both within the team and with me so that, you know, we can trust each other, we can challenge each other. That's really, really critical. And then across all of my peers, uh, the faculty, really trying to build those relationships as best as I can. It's slower. It's a slower process, I think, than when everybody was in person. So I think that's been eye-opening for me. But it still boils down to, you know, people and relationships and trust and and really, you know, championing the missions, patient care, education, research, why we're here. I mean, that really does bring everybody together. And it is an incredible mission. I mean, it's it's the difference between working, you know, at a at an IT or tech company and working in health IT. There's that health part of it, which is really magical. And such an important impact on people's lives. So, so kind of knitting all that together, I think is really critical. No, that's great. So uh, this, this past year, Becker's recognized you as one of the top chief digital executives. It's always great to be recognized by Becker's for sure. I'm curious, you know, as, you know, being someone who's clinically trained, having a, you know, strong technical background, being a champion for technology's potential impact, how do you talk about the digital revolution in healthcare at both inside and outside the organization? And I know you're going to talk about AI here because you know you have some some strong views on AI. Well, there's there, there's a lot of big words that have been tossed around, and there's a lot of hype, and there's a lot of I think exciting things. I think people are really excited about the potential of digital in healthcare. I think the word even digital is overused. What does that even mean? But when we look at, I think, what the potentials are, it's, it's, it's going back to usability and simplicity, which is, I think, kind of the, the bedrock of, of how we can make things better. So when it comes to thinking about 
the interaction with a clinician and a patient, ambient voice technology doing a lot of the work of writing notes, for example, is, is a good example of improved usability and simplicity. When we think about AI and the potential for this, and, and there's a huge chasm between the algorithms sitting on the shelves and then bringing them into, into clinical use. But again, it's trying to help clinicians make decisions, perhaps, or operational efficiencies, simplifying those things. And if we make it usable, again, then, then there's a real opportunity for these things. One of the things I'm really excited about here is we launched the inaugural chief data scientist for Stanford Healthcare, Dr. Nigam Shah. And he is embedded in the IT organization. Instead of having it siloed off by bringing it all together and educating my team on artificial intelligence, machine learning, how do you make it work? How do you assess for fairness, usability, reliability, all of these things? And then the AI algorithm itself is just such a small piece of the puzzle. In fact, it's probably the smallest piece of the puzzle, right? And if you look across the whole thing from governance to machine learning operations to deploying it in workflows, I mean, you need the you need a whole army of people who get this. And so I'm really excited about you know what we're building here in that in terms of a true data science team in the IT organization that collaborates throughout the IT organization through all the pieces, and then uh, a governance that really thinks about fairness and value and driving this to the next level. So I think that's going to be key. And then, you know, precision medicine has gotten a lot of airplay. I think there are going to be some really neat opportunities around that. Uh, When you think about pharmacogenomic drug interactions and new ways to think about how we incorporate that information and genomic information into the EHR. So I, I think we're going to see some pretty amazing things in the next five years on this. You know, one of the things that, you know, I think of environments, you know, like you're at UCLA, Stanford, as this way, where I'm here at UCI, we have this. Uh, but, you know, you have both a strong academic medicine research environment, but then you have all, the rest of the university, right? A strong interdisciplinary many schools be able to tap into the school of engineering the school of business how do you think about having all of those chess pieces at your disposal maybe not under your control but the ability to build bridges to them and then to design care and what care will look like for patients in 2030 tell me a little bit about what what goes through dr pfeffer's head as he, as he thinks about pulling pulling all those pieces potentially together i mean that's one of the amazing things like you said about working at a university like this. I mean, there there are a ton of great ideas and new ways to think about things that live both within and outside of the school of medicine in the various uh, schools here. I mean, from the design school to the business school to the new earth school, and we could talk about sustainability because that's probably our biggest challenge in health coming up and leveraging that. We, we actually have this really amazing program at Stanford called the Catalyst Program. And what it does is it it basically is a an incubator of sorts, bringing incredible talent from across different parts of the organization together to apply for you know not only resources but project management with the idea of taking something that's an amazing idea and then scaling it, implementing it, and then potentially spinning it out with the idea that it's really going to help humanity. So that that's one example of a program here that really does kind of aim to bring together different disciplines to really get to a better place. 
Yeah. And so what, what does this mean for the patient, right? When you look out five years, you know, or, or we look all the way to the, you know, to the next decade of 2030, what's going to change for the patient and the type of care that, that they will receive, you know, from a place like Stanford Health? I want to say more personalized, an easier experience, almost maybe an enjoyable experience. You know, I, I think that's important. I mean, you know, how you think about even going to the physician's office can be stressful. And so how, how do we make the experience even better? How do we offload a lot of the work that doesn't need to be done by clinicians so there's more time for those in-person interactions? Obviously, we want to have, you know, we're going to have amazing care, but more personalized, more attention to the experience. There's a ton of work being done on the patient experience side here, which is really amazing. And bringing that kind of information together about not only the clinical piece of it, but the experiential piece of it to really help define the, the patient journey in new ways. So when you were thinking about taking the job, you know, and you asked me some of my thoughts, you know, one of the things, because I audience knows, maybe knows, I, I lived in the Bay Area for many years as part of some of the roles I had in my career. And I said, look, one of the benefits of this job that makes it truly unique that other, over other great jobs is your proximity to the Silicon Valley ecosystem. And that that is a real benefit, you know, that it's, you know, sure there's, you know, there's companies that come visit you all the time, but more importantly, you're, you're standing in line, listen, you know, getting a cup of coffee and somebody is pitching something and it is a, it applicable to you. And you're like, you just, Hey, do you mind if I join your conversation? So tell me kind of, you know, I know you're only a year in, but how is the Silicon Valley ecosystem interacted with you or how has it shaped some of your strategic thinking for the future? It's been really fascinating. I mean, just like you said, you can be standing in line for coffee and you hear like an amazing conversation going on. I mean, I'm learning a ton. I mean, I think I'm in my learning mode more than anything else at this point on not only the incredible interest of health and healthcare by tech companies, but also the need for them to partner and learn from healthcare organizations because it, it just can't, it can't be one or the other. It has to be both. And so really getting to understand more how these tech companies are, are thinking, how they view health as a, a really key part of their portfolio or, or it will be a key part of their portfolio has been really, really interesting. I mean, obviously there's significant venture capital up here and you know how they think about startup companies, how, how they want to invest. And then, you know, from my standpoint, do we want to take a risk on a startup company when the potential could be that it's acquired or the goal is to really just exit and then leave the organization hanging with something that they've been providing for patients? So uh, it's it's really been a fascinating opportunity to be up here, listen, learn and uh, grow from it. And so I, I think it's really exciting. The, you know, the, we mentioned a little bit about sustainability, but that's another big topic. I think we're hearing more and more from tech companies and partly because we're demanding that we purchase and partner with sustainable companies. But I think people are really starting to understand the risk to health if we don't figure out how to be more sustainable. Yeah, no, and, and for our audience members, you don't know that, you know, Stanford has, you know, a, a very, a very big gift that was given to you to the university. I don't remember the number exactly, Mike, but it was a big number to essentially establish a, 
a, you know, a, a new initiative, you know, that's bringing together the entire Stanford community around sustainability. It's really one of the landmark moves on sustainability in the country, you know, in the, in the academic setting. So it, it'll be really interesting. Do you have, I mean, in addition to having Silicon Valley right there outside your back door and the, the Sand Hill Road crowd, as they're called, you know, do you also have a, you know, a, a kind of a strong incubator culture inside of Stanford? I would imagine there is some type of strong incubator. And is that a pipeline of things that ultimately come into kind of a, you know, hey, let's introduce this in an A-B test in the in the clinical environment? Absolutely. I mean, I'm blown away by the faculty here. I mean, it's just incredible. The accomplishments, the the passion. There's lots of actually different incubators here. I mentioned one catalyst. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is how do we as an IT organization move even faster? And I, I think creating frameworks about how you interact with us you know, what are the things that are needed for security? What are the things that are needed for privacy? What platforms do we use? How would you integrate this fairly quickly? What APIs are available to uh, interact with the data sets? The more we can kind of create those frameworks and environment for our faculty and incubators, I think the faster we're going to be able to move. And so that that's something, you know, that I've been working on with my teams here. And uh, it's a work in progress, but um, I think it's going to be really powerful. Great. Well, Mike, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time again. You know, uh, you know, we were colleagues for several years, and I was both, you know, excited and and, and also felt a great loss when when you left left us from the University of California system. But Stanford does provide just for an amazing opportunity, and and you know how given how I know much how much you care about both the patients and then how what we do in the technology field benefits the patient. Uh, I could think of no better place for you to go to, to continue making contributions to our industry and, and to our patient community. So I want to thank you for, for, for joining us today, sharing a little bit about what's been going on with you in Stanford. And uh, we look forward to great things to come. Thanks, Tom. It's always a pleasure. And, you know, I've learned a ton from your leadership and thinking throughout the many years, and it's really helped me grow. And so I really appreciate that. And I would be remiss to say we're nothing without our teams, right? And and there's just such incredible people that I get to work with every day that make this all possible. That to me is really the, the magic of it all, getting to work with people who are truly dedicated to the missions and choose to do that in, in health IT. So my hat's off to all health IT organizations out there because they're They're working really hard for an amazing mission. Great. Thanks, Mike.